Dog Days of Podcasting, Day 11, Friday, August 14, 2020. Today's discussion is Outbreaks and Epidemics in 16th through 18th Century America. This is really a series of outbreaks and epidemics generally attributed to Europeans invading the Americas. We've already had a taste of this with the Mexican epidemics in the 1500s. But America itself, the regular continental United States, had plenty of outbreaks in the East in its early years. Covering what was happening in the 16th through the 18th centuries and beyond in America and Europe is difficult because there is really one epidemic after another after another. I'll propose some ideas of why this might be in a future episode, but it is somewhat of a mess. I'll give it my best shot to cover just some examples. So today we're focusing on America. <clears throat> Our first American case is actually from the end of the 16th century. In 1592 to 1596, when the Seneca nation experienced a measles epidemic. The Seneca were the largest of six Native American nations which comprised the Iroquois Confederacy, a democratic government that predates the United States Constitution. You know, that would be something to learn more about. I bet I did at one point and I've forgotten. Anyway, I could not find any more information on this uh, particular measles epidemic. In 1616, in southern New England, there was a general uh, epidemic of infections starting around 1616-ish. Classic explanations include yellow fever, bubonic plague, influenza, smallpox, chickenpox, and typhus. Wherever these hit, possibly 30 to 90% of the population died. This also hit the Wampanoag people, a Native American people who lived in South Eastern, southeastern Massachusetts and Rhode Island in the beginning of the 17th century at a time when the first at a time of first contact with the English colonists. This territory included the islands of Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket. You know, I never knew Martha's Vineyard was an island. Shows what I know. The population numbered in the thousands. 3,000 Wampanoag lived on Martha's Vineyard alone. From 1615 to 1619, the Wampanoag suffered an epidemic long suspected to be smallpox. Modern, modern research, however, has suggested that it may have been leptospirosis, a bacterial infection which can develop into Wiles syndrome, which causes the infected individual to become, to become jaundiced, skin and eyes become yellow, develop kidney failure, and bleed from the lungs. This disease caused a high fatality rate and decimated the Wampanoag population. The losses from the epidemic were so large that colonists were able to establish their settlements in the Massachusetts Bay Colony more easily. More than 50 years later, King Philip's War, 1675 to 1676, of the Naragansett and their allies against the colonists and their Native American allies resulted in the deaths of 40% of the, of the surviving tribe. Many male Wampanoag were sold into slavery in Bermuda, in Bermuda or the West Indies, and some women and children were enslaved by colonists in New England. The tribe basically disappeared from history after this, although not completely, 
and some descendants are still trying to keep the language and culture alive. Uh, the one case I have that's not really the Americas, from 1600 to 1650, there was a malaria epidemic in South America. I didn't really dig into that one. In the 1620s to about 1634 was the, was the Massachusetts smallpox epidemic, another case of smallpox killing Native Americans. While, of course, Europeans were relatively immune to smallpox, not all were. Twenty settlers on the Mayflower were infected, including their only physician, physician, Dr. Samuel Fuller. Remember that the Mayflower arrived at Plymouth Rock, Massachusetts in 1620. It seems to me from reading in the 1620s up to about 1634, more than two-thirds of the Massachusetts Native Americans, including the Mohawks and the Iroquois, were killed from infection. The epidemic continued, and by 1633, smallpox infected entire tribes and left the people unable to care for each other or bury their dead. A New England colonist in 1630 said that the Native Americans, quote, fell down so generally of this disease as they were in the end not able to help one another, not to make fire, nor to fetch a little water to drink, nor to bury the dead, unquote. Yet despite the destruction wrought by smallpox, it was seen as a gift from God by some Puritans, including Increase Mather. Yeah, his first name was Increase. And I did look into that. It's kind of interesting, but I'm not going to delve into that more. You might recognize the last name. Anyway, Increase Mather was a clergyman and one of Harvard College's first presidents who stated that the smallpox epidemic was God's solution to the Native American and Puritan land disputes. Wow, that is painful to hear, don't you think? Okay, I'm going to read something now, which is pretty hard to read because it's in the early American dialect, I guess. This was written by William Bradford, Rat, William Bradford, a leading English settler and governor in Plymouth Colony, who wrote this in 1633. I'll give it my best shot. I am now to relate some strange and remarkable passages. There was a company of Indians lived in the country up above the, in the, in the river of Connecticut, a great way from their trading house there. About a thousand of them had enclosed themselves in a fort, which they had strongly palisadoed about. How's that for a word? Palisadoed. For it pleased God to visit these Indians with a great sickness and such a mortality that of a thousand and many of them did rot above ground for want of burial. Ugh. He continues. This spring also, these Indians that lived about their trading house there fell sick of the smallpox and died most miserably for a sorer disease could not befall them. They fear it more than the plague. For usually they that have this disease have them in abundance. And for want of bedding and linen and other helps, they fall into a lamentable condition as they lie on hard mats, the pox breaking and mattering and running one into another. When they turn them, a whole side will flay off at once, as it were, and they will be all of a gore blood, most fearful to behold." And then being very sore, what with cold and other distempers, they die like rotten sheep. 
The condition of this people was so lamentable, and they fell down so generally of this disease, as they were in the end not able to help one another. No, not to make a fire, nor to fetch a little water, water to drink, nor any to bury the dead. Some would crawl out on all fours to get a little water, and sometimes buy, sometimes die by the way, and not able to get in again. Well, I guess if you died, you're not going to go anywhere. Last paragraph from him. But those of the English house, though at first they were afraid of the infection, yet seeing their woeful and, woeful and sad condition, and hearing their pitiful cries and lamentations, they had compassion of them, and daily fetched them wood and water, and made them fires, got them victuals, Vittles, they got them vittles, whilst they lived and buried them when they died. But by the marvelous goodness and providence of God, not one of the English was so much as sick or in the least measure tainted with this disease. Though they did daily, though they, though they daily did these offices for them for many weeks together. And this mercy which they showed them was kindly taken and thankfully acknowledged of all the Indians that knew or heard of the same. There you go. Not easy to read that. Uh, On to some more. 1634 to 1640, the Wyandot, maybe it's Wyandot, people epidemic of infections, uh, where about 15 to 25,000 died of a smallpox and influenza. The Wyandotte people, also called the Huron Nation and Huron people, uh, are Iroquoian-speaking peoples of North America who emerged as a tribe around the north shore of Lake Ontario. So many of them died of smallpox. 1693 to 1702. Yellow fever in Boston, then Charleston, and Philadelphia, then New York. Total of about 4,000 died. You know, that number seems small now compared to these other numbers, but these cities were not very big back then, all right? It's only 1,700. Note, yellow fever is a viral disease of typically short duration in most cases. Symptoms include fever, chills, loss of appetite, nausea, muscle pains, particularly in the back, and headaches. Symptoms typically improve within five days, In about 50% of people, within a day of improving, the fever comes back. Abdominal pain occurs and liver damage begins causing yellow skin, thus yellow fever. The disease is caused by yellow fever RNA virus and is spread by the bite of an infected female mosquito. A safe and effective vaccine against yellow fever exists, and some countries require vaccinations for travelers. In 2013... Yellow fever resulted in about 127,000 severe infections and 45,000 deaths. I assume this means, oh, it says, uh, with 90% of these occurring in African nations. So, yes, it is still a thing, especially in Africa. There are more uh, smallpox and flu outbreaks in the 1700s. For example, in 1721, Boston experiences worst outbreaks of smallpox where 5,759 people out of around 10,000 in Boston were infected. More than half were infected. And 844 were recorded to have died. The outbreak would motivate Puritan minister Cotton Mather, 
Cotton Mather. He's the son of increase. So Cotton Mather, you may have heard of him, and Harvard physician Zebdiel Boylston to variolate hundreds of Bostonians in the 13 colonies' earliest experiment with public inoculation. Their efforts would inspire, inspire further use and research of immunizing people from smallpox, placing the Massachusetts Bay Colony at the epicenter of the colony's first inoculation debate and profoundly impacting Western society's medical treatment of the disease. By the way, thinking more about the difference between variolation and inoculation, I think variolation, that's when you're taking the real disease itself and giving it to someone else. It's more dangerous. Inoculation, I think, means uh, trying to make a less dangerous form of the disease and giving it to someone else. That's how I read the difference there. So variolation is more dangerous. Almost done. Diphtheria, excuse me again, (coughs) don't you hate that? Diphtheria hit New York City in 1735 to 1741, killing 20,000 people. Diphtheria is an infection caused by a bacterium. Signs and symptoms may vary from mild to severe. They usually start two to five days after exposure. Symptoms often come on fairly gradually, beginning with a sore throat and fever. In severe cases, a gray or white patch develops in the throat. I saw a few pictures of this, kind of gross. This can block the airway and create a barking cough. Other symptoms include chills, fatigue, bluish skin coloration, known as cyanosis, sore throat, hoarseness, headache, painful swallowing, difficulty breathing, rapid breathing, foul smelling, and and blood-stained nasal discharge, and a disease of the lymph nodes in which they are abnormal in size or consistency. Killing 5-10% to of its victims, the disease was first described in the 5th century BC by Hippocrates. Due to widespread vaccination, it is a fairly rare disease now. Quinvaxim, that must be the, that's the vaccine. Quinvaxim is widely administered, is a widely administered pentavalent vaccine, which is a combination of five vaccines in one that protect the babies from diphtheria, among other common childhood diseases. The common name for this whole vaccine is diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis, whole cell, hepatitis B, RDNA, and hemophilus influenzae type B conjugate vaccine. Whew, that's a name for that. Uh, One last one, then we're done. Philadelphia yellow fever epidemic of 1793. When yellow fever seized Philadelphia, the United States Capitol at the time, officials wrongly believed that slaves were immune. As a result, abolitionists called for people of African origin to be, to be recruited to nurse the sick. The, the disease is carried and transmitted by mosquitoes, and, which experienced a population boom during the particularly hot and humid summer weather in Philadelphia that year. It wasn't until winter arrived and the mosquitoes died out that the epidemic finally stopped. By then, more than 5,000 people had died between August 1st and November 9th just in the city of Philadelphia. Again, these cities aren't that huge at that point. I'm sure there are many more cases of epidemics and so forth and so on that I did not get to, outbreaks. 
and I kind of ignored up in Canada and Central America and Southern America, South America somewhat. But uh, that gives you a general overview of what was going on and the types of diseases. Um, fun times in 16th through 18th century America. Tomorrow I'll be back to do a very similar episode, but covering what was happening in Europe. And it sounds to me like it was even worse there. Talk to you tomorrow.